Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I am one of two of your hosts, Kurt Flagel. King Ward will be on just shortly as we are interviewing tonight a woman who Kim personally knows more than I do. Her name is Kelly Fraga and what an incredible story she has. This is really powerful stuff. So I am just encouraging you to listen to this whole podcast. Now there's some technical things because, technical issues I would say, because we were on Zoom together and we had some mic issues. But I'm encouraging you, just get through that. Ignore that and listen closely to Kelly's story because it is a powerful story of surrender. Well, I can tell you for one how much Kelly's story convicted me. God used it uh, for days afterward to really shine a mirror on my own life and show me the things that I need to surrender. She's teaching us really what surrender is and how it heals us. So without anything further, let's jump into Kelly's story. Kelly, welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. Oh, thank you. It's, uh, it's really good to have you. I'm, I'm thankful for, for Kim uh, re- reaching out to you and your willingness to come on uh, the show. Yeah, I'm really excited. Thank you, Kim. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited because I get to hear your story again since what we technically met in junior high. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Uh, it's been old. just a few years. Oh, hush you. <laughs> so, so Kelly, tell us, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself to get started. Where'd you grow up? Like, what was life like for you? Yeah, um, well, I grew up in Cayucas, a beautiful beach town. Um, and then I basically lived there my whole life. I went away for college to Viola for a little bit um, and then came back. And then um, just recently, though, a year ago, my husband and I uh, moved to King City, California, um, and we are pastoring a church here. So um, it's been really awesome, though, to actually be here and just know that God wants us here. Like, it's just a really cool feeling, you know, trading the beach, wonderful, beautiful beach for this. But it's like, it's way better just being in God's plan, you know, God's will. So. Yeah, it's a little bit about us, just a little, little bit. <laughs> <laughs> How many, you have kids, right? Yes. Yeah, How I have three kids. Yeah. How old are they, boys, girls? Uh, my oldest is my daughter. She is seven. And then my son is five. And then my daughter's three. Oh, all the young ones, huh? Yeah. Really young right now. <laughs> but they're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I might be biased, but they're cute. Thank you. So when you were saying that you, you know, I loved what you said, first of all, about it's just best to be, to know you're in God's will, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you, you know that being in King City is, is God's will. How do you know that? Like what, what are some things that have happened to confirm that for you? Well, um, you know, we moved here and then, um, it's interesting timing because we moved here in February, 2020. And then it was like the virus hit the next month. Um, but God just like confirmed in us, like through dreams and through just his, like, you know, still small voice that, um, for us to keep our doors open. Um, and by doing that, we had people just from all over like Fresno, Visalia, like Napomo, San Luis, because we were pretty much 
almost the only church open, you know, um, in California. And so, um, just seeing all the healings and just the breakthrough and just, um, just seeing what we've seen this year, you know, it's been really awesome. Just people being set free of, from demonic oppression, you know, and just mm. like lives have been changed this year, you know, and I'm really happy that we just stepped into this, you know, where, where God wanted us to be. So I guess to answer your question would just be, you know, just through all that, you know, just mm-hmm. everything we've seen and witnessed and, um, yeah, it's just been a really good year for us. I mean, it's been a tragic year for a lot in a lot of ways, you know, but um, we've seen a lot of good too come out of it. So, Well, it's really interesting that Kim and I just talked about dreams, right, Kim? Um, yeah, just, just last week. And you mentioned dreams. So now I'm curious, <laughs> like if you have any, you know, uh, memories of any specific dream that really was highlighted to you as a confirmation. Um, well, for us to get sent here, um, we had like a series of dreams that were like, I was dreaming of King City a lot, like randomly. Um, my grandfather was a pastor here many years okay. ago. So you've been, I was going to say, I was going, I was going to ask you if you'd been there before, if you were having dreams of the place. Yeah. My, my grandfather um, pastored here in the seventies, all the way to 2001. Wow. Uh, Yeah. So I was having dreams of just his old house and I was having dreams of him and kind of like, and I was having dreams of us praying for people on the streets. Like we were seeing just praying for people in my dreams, like in King city on the streets and everything and yeah just lots of those were happening and I'm like okay I think we're supposed to go there and so we went just to kind of um we went to the church just to kind of um visit you know and Mm -hmm. then my husband actually was he had um guests preached there they asked him to be a guest speaker and so he did that and then they asked him uh they eventually asked him if he wanted to be the pastor so it was just kind of crazy how it all kind of just fell into place you know like it was just we he was a guest speaker there and then they kind of were like hey you want a pastor here (laughs) we're like um we'll pray about it (laughs) but like yeah we already knew I had those dreams and we just kind of continue to pray about it and God led us here supernaturally too it's just amazing so when you have a like a dream do you do anything in particular with it or just kind of sit on it and and hold it in your mind Um, well, what I do is I like, I'll wake up and, um, I right away, just kind of write it in my notes, my phone. So I don't forget mm. uh, if I just like wake up and then I go about my day, I, I end up sometimes forgetting. Um, sometimes God will like bring back the dream if I do forget to write it down. Um, but then from there, I kind of transfer it to a journal and then I write it in a journal. I have lots of journals, <laughs> but it's really awesome. I, I love it. And just seeing God just kind of work through them and seeing how he's used them, you know, and just, I don't know, it's been really awesome. So. That's the first thing we talk about, or we talked about last week, right, Kim? Yeah. Yeah. Writing it down being the biggest thing to get it on paper so you don't forget it. And sometimes, you know, like I've learned, like, I'm not supposed to really release them to anybody yet, you know, like you know, if there is someone in it, like I will pray for that person. And then I'll pray about if I should share it with that person, you know, sometimes God's given me like a word of knowledge in a dream. And then I kind of go to that person and like share my dream. And then they kind of have the interpretation themselves, you know? Yeah. So really Kelly, the, the question that's, that I have for you is, uh, is what is the biggest 
Or I, I, I guess the better way of saying it is what is the toughest thing that you faced in your life? That's a light um, question. It's, it's really easy to answer. It's, well, it's, it's easy and hard for me to answer. It's hard to answer because there is kind of more than one thing, honestly. Mm. Like, like at the age of 12, um, we lost my sister in a car accident. And so that was the first thing, you know, it was like right away, like, <laughs> you know, just kind of going through something so young, you know, but um, I'm really thankful that through that, my parents are both believers, you know, my grandparents are believers and my parents bought us a journal. And so I kind of learned from there from that age 12 to kind of journal a lot, my thoughts. And mm. so I would um, just kind of like talk to God in my journal. So from the age of 12, that's kind of in the way I've kind of like coped with things is like journaling a lot. And so that was like my first major thing to kind of experience in life. <laughs> that's a um, big one. I mean, wow. That's a big one. I'm just trying to think, you know, I mean, there is kind of quite a bit, you know, but, um, well, but well, all, go ahead. I guess I could start from this. When I was um, in my mother's womb, my grandmother prophesied that I was going to be a child of trust. And so I kind of grew up with that verse of um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, to trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So I kind of just like grew up with that. And I'm really thankful for that because I think that kind of set the tone for like living a life where I kind of went through sort of a, kind of a lot, you know, I mean, I know we all kind of go through our own things, but yeah. So, um, yeah. first of all, uh, you were 12 when your sister passed. Yeah. Away. Uh -huh. How old was she? She was 17. What's her name? Uh, Kim. Kim. <laughs> so she passes away in, mm -hmm. in this car accident. And you were prophesied over you had this, this, uh, this identity that was given to you before you really you were even born, that you were a child of trust. Do you identify that with like the spiritual gift of faith? Yeah, I think so. That is also one of my spiritual gifts as well. And so and yet I find there are facets of my life, like the big things, where it seems to easier for me to trust God in the big things. And yet it's almost like in the daily, the daily grind that I find that I, I struggle with smaller things. I don't know if that's true of you. If you, even though you have this gift of faith or are there still areas where bigger little that you've struggled to, to trust God in, or has it just been all just super easy for you? <laughs> um, it's not easy. I mean, I think it's been a growing process, you know, because um, like when we were newlyweds and stuff and we'd have financial problems, like I would kind of worry a little bit, you know, when push came to heaven, I was like, Oh, rent's due, you know? And like, Oh my goodness, Lord, like what, you know, are, you know, what are we going to do, you know? But like over this time of just like this walk with the Lord, where I'm like seeing him just be so faithful, it's like, kind of like, kind of built my faith you know so like now I'm like I don't even really stress about even finances now I'm, I'm 34 years old right now though like you know with like a life of this like I'm not saying I'm perfect with not fearing and not I mean I would just say that um I think given everything I've gone through it's 
taken me to this place of complete trust and faith in him where like, I know he has my best interests at heart and mine, you know? And so, um, I don't have to like worry or fear, you know, he has everything under control and I would say it's just been a process, a journey for me. (laughs) Yeah. And I know having been around for some of the rest of your story that losing Kim was just kind of the tip of the iceberg in some ways. Maybe you want to share a little bit about some of the other things that happened. Yeah. So we, my husband and I were married in 2010 and then like, it was almost like, kind of like right after that, I just felt like um, it seemed like things were just kind of, we kind of experienced just different hardships, you know, in different ways. And then um, we found out we were pregnant uh, in 2000, 2011, January, 2011. And then for no reason at all, the baby's heart stopped beating at around seven months in the pregnancy. So we lost that baby. Her name was Annalyn. So that was like the first kind of thing. It was 2011. And then we got pregnant again. And then in um, February, 2012, um, we lost our boy, our son at seven months long in the pregnancy as well. And so it was kind of, it was rough, you know, to go through that. I would say like, we had faith in the Lord. We trusted him. We, we looked at it. What helped us was like, Hey Lord, you've received them. You like, didn't like take them from us. So that's kind of what helped us like not get like mad at God or anything, you know, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't to say we weren't hurt and devastated because we were, but I think that's what helped us like not get mad at God, you know, and not deter our relationship like with him. And from there, we just, you know, we were serving in a church at the time we were, um, we were youth pastors at the time. Mm-hmm. And actually through that, like we kind of, the kids all knew our, our story and kind of were walking through that all that with us so like kids were like praying that like had never prayed before and it was really cool to kind of try to see the positives in all of it I mean it's horrible of a situation it was but just in that time where there was junior high and high schoolers growing you know and growing in their faith you know seeing that I mean we were devastating and grieving but it was like we still like seeing our faith and that we still trusted the Lord you know in it all we were actually prophesied so our daughter, oldest daughter, Kaylin, we were, she was in my stomach, but I wasn't showing her anything. And so we were prophesied over that I was, I was pregnant, like first day to word of knowledge. And then um, they, okay, we were at a power and love conference and um, we were called up to the front. Um, Bob Hazlett, I don't know if you know, do you know who Bob Hazlett is? No. He's, the prof- he's a prophetic guy and he um, does some guests like he kind of he used to be part of power and love but now he kind of does his own thing and he travels and stuff but he basically called us up to the front and like had a word of knowledge that I was with child and um and that um everything was going to be okay and that she was going to make it um he he had a word of knowledge that we had had problems in the past and and that this baby was going to be a big baby with lots of hair and (laughs) (laughs) so it kind of like what kind of helped though like I'm really thankful for that experience because um all the ultrasounds like the guy the the man the doctor would say wow she's a really big baby (laughs) wow she has a lot of hair like on her head you know and so every time and we had those like every like few weeks you know so it was like every time he said those things I was like I would remember that word that was spoken over us at that conference and it just gave me such a peace you know for this pregnancy you know and she ended up making it you know she's here on earth earth side and so it was really just amazing to kind of have that you know 
help us kind of through it and just seeing that God is faithful, you know, he is faithful. There's been a lot of death, a lot of people that you've had to let go of from Mm -hmm. an early age. And you talked about this being a journey of trust. The words that come into my mind on this is, is trust being the art of surrender. What we tend to do as human beings is we, we make assumptions about a lot of things, right? We, we figure things out in our own head without inviting God in. And, and assumptions are actually diametrically opposed to awareness of God's presence. We make assumptions, which oftentimes goes against what God is really trying to do. We just assume we know and understand, right? And go our way without consulting him, without surrendering it to him. And, and that really is where we, when we make assumptions, we, we, a lot of the times we lose us the sense of awareness of God's presence and the journey from, and that really assumptions are our default setting. I mean, I assume all kinds of things all the time and to get from this default setting of assumptions to awareness of God's presence is a journey through surrender. And so I want to kind of rewind just a little bit because I, in this journey, I want to hear, you know, um, a little bit about when your sister Kim died, what, what that was like for your family. I mean, it's, it's easy for us to hear on this side of it, you know, looking back, hearing from you how you made it through but you know we're creatures of finite temporal finiteness like we live in the moment and for someone who's going through a loss right now you know it's good to hear that you've made it through but it kind of sometimes glosses over just how devastating it was for the family and if you don't mind like you said this is a journey and what, what I'd love, for, I'd love for you is to paint a picture. I know this is <laughs> what I'm asking for is hard, probably, but to paint a picture of the pain of when you and when Kim died, what that was like for your family, what the struggles were in your family. You're the child of trust, but you're in a family who's all grieving this. What was that like? Um, what kind? What did you see? And what did you feel as you looked around at your family and this and Kim's not there anymore? I was, it's actually crazy. So I was in sixth grade and then um, my sister, Katie Ann, uh, we were like in a combo class. Like we were, so we were actually in the same class at the time and we got called to the office and it was really crazy because my sister, Katie Ann, she like, it was, she like knew something was wrong, you know, like, mm. and she automatically went to like, who died, you know, like did, did like grandma die, did great grandma die or something. And I'm like, why, why do you think someone died, you know? So it was like this confusion and just like, wow, Katie, I know someone like we went to the office and people were just kind of silent and just like, not really talking to us. They kind of just let us sit and just kind of wait. And we were just kind of looking at everybody and everybody kind of just seemed there was like this serious look on their face and and then my mom comes in and um our sister Carrie came in and they're just crying and 
told us what happened on the way out. They just took us outside and just said, you know, Kim in heaven now. And I just remember being just kind of like shocked and just, I don't know, I was just so shocked, you know, it was just the concept of it, like, wasn't real, like real, you know, like, it was just like, what, like, and then we went home and then, you know, that's where everybody, there's a lot of people there and like my dad crying and I've never seen my dad cry, you know, wow. my dad never, my dad never cried. And so to see him crying, like, it really was just like, whoa, this is, this happened, this is real, you know, like, wow. And just the shock, you know, I think the first for me was shock. I know everybody has like different ways of grieving and I was really shocked for a while. And then, like I said, my dad gave us journals. And so I started journaling, talking, I would use it as like a, like to talk to God and just talk to Kim. I kind of like acted like I could talk to her in my journal, you know, mm-hmm. and just, like I would have conversation, like I would like, it wasn't some weird spiritual thing. It was just more of like therapeutic, you know, and just um, talking to her and talking to God and yeah, you know, like, I think my sisters and I, we just kind of like, you know, we all just kind of went through, sorry, this is too much information, but like puberty together. And that was a lot of emotion. Yeah. I just remember being like, we fought a lot, which is mm. sad, you know, I feel bad for my parents, because I remember we <laughs> fight a lot, you know, because <laughs> it was like three girls all close in age, going through puberty, like, you know, and having this loss. And we did fight a lot, you know, we loved each other so much, you know, and we were there for each other. And so there's just all of that, you know, in the mix of trying to like have cope with, with not having her in the home, you know, and it's been so long to be honest, like God has done so much healing in that area for me. Like, it's really hard to kind of, it's hard to remember like what exactly it felt like, Like God's just done a lot of work on my heart. Yeah. I think my parents, I'm really just super grateful for my parents because, um, they stayed together for one, which I know is huge for parents going through a loss of a child. Like they stayed together, uh, which was huge for us for that stability. We still went to church, you know, we still went to youth group. We were still very much involved, you know, and um, we had a lot of family around, which I'm really thankful for. My grandparents ended up moving from King City to Cayucas. And so to have that faith was crucial for us, I think, to make it through. It's very, very hard. Thing to walk through and I feel like if you don't I don't know how I would have gotten through it you know without my faith without my family well it sounds like a couple things one the journaling like you you've mentioned a couple times now that you were able to put how you felt down on paper like was it like a the journal were you either speaking to to Kim or to God as you were writing I think I'd say things like, you know, Kim, I miss you or things like that, or like my day, you know, but I'd be like, this happened today or, you know, you know, God, I need you help me, you know, and um, different things like that, you know, just be like, I was talking to, you know, talking to God. Kim, what do you see in that as, as uh, the power in, in her journaling? Well, I mean, there's just something about writing it down. There's, there's so much power in writing it down, which is, of course, an area that I still struggle in. So, uh, but, you know, I mean, because I was, I was around for a lot of this. I wasn't, I wasn't close friends with you guys at the time. But I mean, it amazed the crud out of me to see how you guys handled it. Because you handled it, it seemed like you guys were handling it better than I was. Like, I mean, Kim's death practically wrecked me, and I didn't know you guys that well. 
it was the idea of here's this other Kim, <laughs> you know, the one of us who seemed like she had everything going for her. Like I was like, okay, it's not fair, but she was kind of like an idol for me. I was like, she's so cool and like popular and seemed like she knew God really well. And so many, pe- I remember so many people showed up to the funeral that they had to have seating outdoors. Like not everyone could fit in the church. I was like, I don't, didn't, at the time I remember thinking no one would miss me like that if, if I'd been the one who died instead of Kim. But I just remember writing it down in the journal and there's just so much power. I think it's not just for now, but you get to look back mm-hmm. and see what God did and how God moved and power. And that was something I saw in your family, like so clearly. You know, look out as an outsider looking in, watching you guys stick together, watching you guys fight for each other, and watching you guys still pursue God in the middle of in the middle of such a crazy situation. And it, you know, for me, it made me want what you guys had. Like, I mean, that was actually a big part of what woke me up to the fact that I didn't have that kind of relationship with God was seeing you guys pursue Him so strongly. Oh. <laughs> you know because because you you guys did like I was watching it and I think there's so many other people you know in our youth group in our church in Cayucas that were watching you guys and seeing how you pursued God and how you forgave the kid that was driving the car I mean because I think he showed up at the funeral which couldn't have been easy in some respects and I couldn't believe you guys how like loving and kind you guys were to him in the middle of all of that like I'm not sure I could have done it yeah my parents are really awesome and really thankful for just their how they just are such good role models you know for us and how to deal with things I have to give my sister's props too because I just kind of like oh yeah we fought a lot during that time but I was trying to get a picture of like you know this is what it was kind of like like in that time just like to kind of explain the how hard it was you know we're all trying to battle these emotions and like because I want to paint a picture of like that we were not perfect you know but at the same time I'm just so thankful for my sisters and we were all together you know going through that walking through that together doing life together you know um my sister Katie's only a year a grade older than me you know and we just kind of do mission trips together and all that stuff just um and so I'm really thankful for that bond with them you know and and it is something that I'm really thankful for so I want to give <laughs> to make sure I say that it's like our relationship is amazing and I think all of that has just helped us and mold us to be you know who we are today you know so so going going back to the journaling there's power in that vulnerability honesty authenticity where why is that powerful i mean that's Um, what you did in the journal you were honest really vulnerable about what you were feeling and 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 i think that's one of the most powerful things there is in the world is vulnerability but why is that um i think it allows healing you know because if we act like everything's okay and kind of gloss over it then it's like you can't really truly heal like the root of the healing that needs to take place and so being vulnerable for me just helps has helped me heal you know and I think just being real to God in the journal and and being real with people too is important you know to just be real with how you're feeling and not act like you're okay you know and be I mean I think 
that there's a time and place, you know, for all that. But, um, but I think just being vulnerable just helps healing, you know? I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Confession is God really doesn't need us to confess to him how we're feeling or what we're struggling with. Let's be honest. Confession is not for God necessarily. It is only for God in this way. It delights his heart when we share our hearts with him and are and are honest about what we're going through. And it delights him because of what it does for us. When we confess what we're going through, what we're feeling, the struggles we're having, we've opened up our hearts to receive. Opening up and being vulnerable puts us in a place to receive. When we share what we're going through, then we're open to hearing a response from God and allows us to receive what he, he has for us, really who he is for us. I'm just amazed these days about the, the power of John 1.12. For those who received him, for those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. And it takes me to James where it says, you know, even the demons believe and tremble. But there's one aspect that they don't do. They don't receive. They don't open themselves up to God. They don't confess. They don't, they don't have dialogue with God in a way that they're honest with him about what they're going through. And in doing that and not doing that, they're not open to receive all of who God is for them. So they don't receive. They believe, but they don't receive. And vulnerability is the way. Honesty is the way. And so you just doing that from the age of 12, to me, it prepared you for, uh, for whatever God was going to bring your way later. That's what you did, Kelly, really, is you surrendered. Mm-hmm. You, you surrendered your feelings and your concerns to God in that journal. In your openness to receive from him, what are the gifts that you think you or you can see that you received in that season for your family for you um you mentioned your parents staying together you mentioned that but is there any other things that you go this was a gift from god in that season i think just growing in him just growing in like wisdom and knowledge and like just um like a maturity kind of realizing like um that this world is not it, you know, like, it's like, this isn't like, there's more to life, you know, like, and I think seeing that at a young age was kind of, it was like, it was horrible to go through, but I mean, to look at the bright side of things is like, okay, well now I'm like at 12 can have this knowledge, like, like life's not about me and it's not about, this is not it, you know, like heaven is real and the, the value in that, that's like, I mean, that's a gift, you know, that, that we get to go to heaven one day and we get to see our loved ones. I don't know if that answers your question, but. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. what you just shared is something I'm still learning that you were learning at 12 is at 50, almost 52. I'm still learning. And so it's an amazing thing. The idea of, of, of an eternal perspective is incredible for finite creatures who are stuck in this moment we don't have any other moment right what's the what's the kung fu panda saying kim let me say it again aren't you yep uh yesterday is history tomorrow is a mystery 
but today is a gift. That is why it's called the present. And so this is where we live. This is the struggle for us as humans is we overreach beyond the present. We don't like to live in this moment. We want more. We want to know what's going to happen in the future. But in a way where we're grasping for it, right? Because we're afraid. Because we're, we feel our inadequacy and our in being stuck in this moment. And we want, so we reach into God's realm and try to grab what's not ours to have versus that receptivity. When you got vulnerable, you opened yourself up to receive and trust what God was giving. And in that receptivity, that vulnerability, it gave you an, at the eternal mindset. It gave you God's vision. He gave you the way, the ability to see beyond the moment. And so to live in the moment, it gave you the gift to live in the moment because you could see what was beyond the moment. Because God, you were open to letting God show you instead of you trying to grasp it for yourself. And this is what God is inviting us to, right? Is he wants to give us all of, of, all of who he is right now. He, all of, God is so infinite in his love for us. He's pouring himself out for us in each moment. And all he wants is for us to receive, right? Again, for those who receive him and all of who he is to us, his peace, his compassion, his love, his wisdom, his power. It's all here for us, right? His courage, it's all here for us in this moment. And when we receive it, then we can rest in whatever comes next. He wants us to let go. Like his whole idea of leading us into the, into eternity means we have to let go of the temporary. And this is where humans really struggle. We're so finite. We hold on to finite things rather than receiving what the infinite God is trying to give us. Right. And so here's God calling us into the eternal and with him, there's that which is life. There's life upon life upon life. There is no death with God. What looks like death is just another step into, into life. This is where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is saying, hey, guys, I'm life, and I have the way for you to live always. And here's our problem. Finite things are death that everything temporary dies. And if we hold on to that stuff, we get stuck in the finite and we, we don't move into life. We get stuck in death. And you let go, you were willing to let go of finite things, even your sister, and hold on to God who's eternal. And, and you, he gave you his vision to see the infinite and the eternal beyond the temporary, and it's allowed you to let go of things. And the more you've surrendered, the more he's revealed himself to you, the more you've been able to let go of the finite and the death. You know, that surrender allowed you to see things from an eternal perspective, to be heavenly minded, right? Well, that's my understanding, but really, again, that's assuming. So I'd love to hear how you see, looking back, how you see what happened with your sister how that set you up, prepared you really for the loss of these two kids, these two beautiful kids? Um, yeah, I think for sure it set me up to kind of just realize like 
like you kind of t you touched on already too is this like being heavenly minded and realizing that heaven is real and we will all be there someday and just trusting in him it kind of built up this trusting trusting the lord you know with all my heart and just kind of being instilled with that it definitely set me up for for losing my two kids first and i think i it's hard to explain but just this faith in him that he's good no matter what he turns everything into good you know and trying to find those things that he's used in that situation even with my sister kim you know and seeing how he's turned there's been good out of that you know people coming to the lord and salvation and people seeing how my parents handled it and then they came to the lord you know and all of that and just realizing like the big picture you know and not just this focusing on okay like i'm losing people and it sucks you know or something you know it's like i could look at it like that like losing people is hard and it sucks and this is like why did this happen to me and i think just losing kim has kind of just prepared me to be like okay like what good can i find in this like mm. how how is god using this you know what are the good things and like how romans 8:28 you know that God uses all things, you know, to work together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And so I think just having a mind, mind shift and mind change, you know, of that, you know, just how is he making this good? Okay, God, how are you going to make this good? And it's not taking away from the devastation and the grief, you know, and I think it's healthy, like we talked about, to be vulnerable and talk about the hurts, but then also just to see, not to be stuck there, um, but to see the good, you know, ultimately in it well yeah the the vulnerability of what you were doing in the journaling was being vulnerable to a point of surrendering it to god and leaving mm -hmm. it there so i think you know i mean i battled of course you know like at first like 12 years old like why i think i remember journaling like you know god why did this happen all those things but i think saying it and leaving it there moving on you know let's move on to, you know from there and like can't be stuck there because there's no fruit from that you know it would just be miserable being stuck in that place so it's just moving on from there it sounds like you learned to ask better questions of god going yeah. from why is this happening to where are you in all of this mm -hmm. like what you said was romans eight twenty eight, right he works everything out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose so to, to keep your eye on that means you're asking him, well, where are you working in this? Mm. You're asking and looking. Yeah. The analogy I give to that is basically what you're looking, you're living each day as an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> and you think about it, right? Parents, why did they hide the eggs, right? If you're in a culture outside of you know, Western society where we do Easter egg hunts, you see these parents hiding all these little plastic eggs filled with yummy stuff for kids, right? And little prizes and candies. You might think, wow, they're so mean. <laughs> they're hiding these things from their kids. Why aren't they just giving them to their kids, right? But, you know, what's the, what is the, the attitude of the parents in hiding these things? What do they want? Yeah, they want them to find them. It's supposed to be a fun, I guess, adventure. <laughs> yeah. So there's joy in the parents. The motivation of a parent is joy. Mm -hmm. They're doing this because they're anticipating their kids will enjoy this. And so they have joy in preparing. And then the kids understand that attitude and they go into it with joy. Mm -hmm. And what you just shared is that Easter egg hunt mentality. 
is that do we really believe that God is working all things for the good of those who love him or called according to his purpose? If we have that attitude, then that is an attitude of joy. We're going into our day looking for the gifts that God has for us, even amidst all of the obstacles. They aren't obstacles. They are actually things that are hiding gifts. Proverbs 25.2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. And it is the glory of kings to seek it out. And what you've put your trust in, Kelly, is that you are royalty. You are God's royal child. And he has hidden things for you, gifts for you to discover, and you're looking for him. That's been your attitude since, for, since a young age. And that has allowed you to lean not in your own understanding and make assumptions, but to stay seeking the presence of God and live in awareness. And man, I commend you for that. That's, that is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> That's really, I like how you, um, how you worded that and phrased that. That's really beautiful. Like, it's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It really is my pleasure, actually. So Kelly, what are the most important gifts that you've discovered in the process of letting go of your sister and these two beautiful children who are waiting for you in heaven? I feel God closer to me now. Mm. I feel like, you know, and I think it's through those hardships, just drawing near to him. And um, so for the gifts, I, I would say it's just like, I just feel him so close, you know, and I feel like there's just been so many gifts, you know, just dreams and just visions and just um, these last few years, especially just like um, the prophetic just increasing, you know, and just all these different things that God loves to give to us, you know, like, I don't know, it's just been really awesome to all those different things that I feel like are kind of a byproduct of going through all those hardships, right? So it's like going through all those hard things, I'm drawing nearer to him. And then he has all this, you know, it's like, like you're kind of talking about gifts and, you know, hiding them. It's like, I'm kind of seeking them out. Like, yeah, I've just been, it's been a really awesome journey with the Lord and just drawing near to him, hearing his voice in different ways. And then I haven't, I mean, I've always been kind of like a dreamer, you know, having dreams since I was a little kid, but just kind of growing in that and learning that and learning that he wants to speak to me in them and just yeah it's been a powerful powerful thing the way it came to mind <laughs> as you were talking was just again the the correlation between surrender and receiving mm -hmm. just how you've learned to surrender just open up share surrender and then that has allowed you to be open right surrender is opening your hands to give it away but it leaves you with open hands to receive yeah i think um realizing like just that i really we really do have no control i think losing kim kind of just prepared me for that like i can't really control what happens to me in this life but i can control like how I respond and how I use these things that I go through. Mm. So it's been kind of just a mind shift and just a, and not just kind of sit in that horrible place forever of like, Oh, all these horrible things happened to me. Why are they happening to me? You know? And like, I feel like it's just a mind shift. Yeah. So. Well, it's, it's kind of the focus of focusing on God and the eternal and his eternal being eternity is really constant life and god's always moving in life as and as you focus on him not ignoring 
It's not like I'm just going to focus on God and ignore all this pain I'm feeling. No, you're taking your pain. You're taking your hurts and you're bringing them to him. Focusing on him means here's what I'm feeling, God, and I'm offering it to you. I'm surrendering mm-hmm. it to you. Yeah, and then exactly. leaving it there with him. Yeah. That, yeah. That's focusing on God, right? Yeah. Well, it's what the difference between walking through the valley of the shadow of death or setting up camp. Yeah. <laughs> that's good, Kim. In the valley. That's you know, like he's like, Yeah, I'm going to lead you through it, but I never called you to make your house there. That's true. That's good. That's good. And when we walk with him through it and we allow him into into us we allow him to speak life into the valleys of the shadow of death that live inside of us like we walk through death in this life but there's a lot of death in us that there's a lot of veiled shadowy valleys in me that are just that i've held on to that i have not let god in to speak life into i have to open up and let him speak life and light and love into those places and it allows me to walk through whatever externally I go through. And that's that's what you're showing me. Kelly, you've done that. You've let God in to those deep places in, in you, those places of darkness where you were hurting. And you offered them to him. And he spoke love and life in that. And as you've seen him speak and love you internally, it's allowed you to see him externally in these difficult circumstances and lead you to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not get camped out there as Kim so eloquently put it. That's cool. Yeah. If I haven't said enough, man, I respect you and, and the decisions you've made on your journey. So the question that uh, I have is for me and for everybody else, what advice could you give us um, like practical things that you would suggest that have helped you in in this process of 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 learning to continually surrender yourself to God. Is there any things that you would give us that that have been helpful for you that we haven't shared yet? That we haven't shared yet. Well, I mean, you can reiterate some of the ones too. Like, I guess just go for it. Whatever comes to mind. Yeah, well, at first, you know, we've been talking about a lot, just journaling. I think being vulnerable with, to God is really helpful. Being vulnerable with people, like find your people. I don't think that we have to share with everyone everything, but I feel like find your people that you can share things with. And I, found, I have found just being open with everything has brought in my healing, just being open and honest with people, praying a lot, <laughs> praying a lot, worshiping a lot. Yeah, and I have just being sensitive to the Lord and his convictions on your life, like what things we need to maybe cut out of our life. You know, what do we need to cut out? What do we need to like bring in more? For me, that looks like just I listen to worship music a lot. And that's Mm. pretty much like all I listen to. And I, I don't really listen to anything else. Just because I've learned it's not a religious thing, but more of just a relationship thing with the Lord. You know, I feel like just worship music has helped me a lot. How does it help you listening to worship music? Well, I feel you just kind of like, it just brings the atmosphere in the home, like more of a peaceful atmosphere and just like brings me at peace, helps me just to remember him more throughout my day. Even if it's just playing in the background, you know, or anything, it helps me to remember, just to remember him all day, <laughs> every day. 
like what is the power in that for us why do, why do we need to worship you know speak express praise and thanksgiving to god what does that do for us i feel like it breaks the atmosphere you know i think it changes the atmosphere just always being thankful um even if things are tough you know just find the things that you are thankful for and i think it breaks down strongholds and even in worship you know you can get distracted with your mind and just to like overcome that like just to think of like what you're thankful for you know just always recall those things it's kind of what i hear you saying is basically philippians 4 or 8 yeah i know that's exactly what i was thinking go ahead because it what? says finally brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I know for me, that's that's been kind of the, one of the challenges God's been putting on my plate is, I mean, it can be super easy, especially living in a household with someone else who, um, who loves God. But if I take my headphones off, most of the time I hear them talking about something negative. So I, you know, I can't change the other person but I can change where I focus and, and what I choose to, to listen to or believe in the moment. So that verse has been kind of my like, well, wait, what are you focusing on? You can't control what anyone else is, is focusing on. But when you're focusing on, like you said, worship music or Thanksgiving and praise, it softens your heart and keeps your lenses focused on the right setting, which is towards God mm-hmm. and, and not, it doesn't doesn't negate the pain necessarily like you were saying but it does put it in proper perspective yeah that's good okay i have one more question actually because of something you said (laughs) you said uh people the right people that you can be vulnerable to besides god how do you know who the right people are to open up and share with and who aren't How, how do you make that differentiation I don't know like I've always been kind of like a feeler kind of like I just kind of discern you know like this person's trustworthy you know or like for me because like some how can I say this um (laughs) honestly I I have learned I've I have experienced church gossip about me or praying using prayer for gossip you know Mm. as a time for gossip and so I guess through my life experiences, I've had kind of seen, you know, do a prayer gossip session, you know, like find your people that are just like your people that you trust and that, you know, that if you say something to them, it's just between you and them and they can pray for you. They can intercede for you. So yeah, just find your, you know, those three couple people, you know, for me, it's just been discerning, you know, just kind of like feeling it out, you know, kind of. Yeah. So basically a little, so feeling it out a little at a time, giving people a little bit of trust and Mm -hmm. seeing who, who takes it and, and honors it and who takes that little bit of rope and hangs themselves with it kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think for those, for that kind of goes with the things like, I don't know if they're personal things. I mean, for me, there's things where I don't care whoever hears that can hear it, you know, (laughs) but if there's the certain things that are maybe hard for you to share with people, then just find your people. I mean, some things it's like, yeah, the more people you tell the better, you know, as far as like what I've walked through with, you know, losing babies and stuff, like the more people know the better, you know, if they want hope and stuff, but 
you know, if there's like things that you've walked through that you aren't proud of, you know, maybe find your, cause we need deliverance from that too, you know, and prayer for that things we've walked through that we're not proud of, but we need to kind of maybe share and kind of have freedom through that, you know? So there may be some things that you can share with anybody and then you share them and watch you who honors that trust and who doesn't. And then you, those people that do, you give them more personal things and more personal things and, and build that build a relationship with them is what I, is what I'm hearing. Like the baby you share the stuff with the baby, you share with that with everybody, but then there's more private things that you only share with some people, but you've watched to see what people have done with the things that you were sharing with everyone. You've been watching to see how people take that information. And <laughs> I, think when some, I don't know. Now that I hear that back of my phone, it doesn't sound right. Like, no, I, don't know. <laughs> I think it's actually wise. I think it's wise. Like we all need we all need to have a circle of trust an inner circle of trust we can't it can't be everybody okay maybe this will make you feel better when i look at jesus and i look at the night he spent praying all night long for and for the 12 who were going to be his closest 12 right and then he had a close 3 and a close 1 maybe arguably john right but when we don't know exactly what Jesus did on that night, how he prayed and how he processed with the father, who were the 12. But if you look at his practices, I think you get some clues. One, he spoke in parables to the crowd. He didn't just come out and say who he was. He spoke in parables. And then he watched to see who would walk away satisfied with dinner and a show. And who would go, wait, what does this story even mean? And come and ask him questions. He was looking for the people who were coming to him. And at, again, be open and go, we, you know, vulnerable, right? We don't understand. Can you tell us what this means? And he would share it. And then those people took a step towards him and he would give them more. And then he would watch. But the more he gave them, what would they do with it? And those who took what he said and obeyed and practiced it, he gave them more. And so I think on that night, he was going, who kept taking the steps? Who, who honored the things I said? Who took the steps? These 12 guys, they're the ones more than anyone else. Everything I've said, they've been more consistent and trustworthy with the things I've given them of myself. And that's really what I hear you saying. Really, Kelly, is you said, I, I, I give myself away and then I watch. Whether it's an intuitive process with you and now almost a discernment that you don't even, it's so automatic now, you don't even think about it. But you give yourself away and then you watch to see who's faithful and then you give them more. You give more of yourself away until you have an inner circle of trust like Jesus did. The 12, the three, and the one. Yeah, that's good. So that's not a bad thing at all. I think it's the way of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for uh, for sharing everything. It's it's powerful stuff. It's heartrending to hear, but it's a, it's not tragic. It's there's victory in your story. 
you're more than a conqueror, Kelly. And, and that's amazing, you know? And as such, I was wondering if you would be, uh, if you would do the honors of, of closing our time out in prayer for those who are listening, who are going through things that you've gone through. Yeah. Uh, Lord Jesus, I just pray for whoever's listening right now, Lord, that has experienced loss. Um, Father, I just pray um, for their hearts right now that you would just comfort them where they're at. I pray that you just give them just uh, discernment, give them peace, just knowing that this isn't it, that there's more ahead. Father, I pray for just uh, the right people to surround them and just encourage them and give them peace and joy. Father, we just, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so Father, I just pray for an increase in joy on whoever's listening, Lord. Let's just heal their hearts, Lord. Help them walk through this step of, every step of the way, Lord. And we just know that you are gonna cause whatever they went through um, for the good. And so we just hold on to that. We have faith and we trust in you, Lord. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Kelly. Yeah. Seriously. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate this time. And I think it's good for me too, just in this like talking and I know it's good to talk about it more, you know, because it has been so long. And so it's good to talk about it and just recount like all the, what God's brought me through and the victory and, you know, so I love talking about it. It's good. Good. I like that you said you had received a word about sharing your story more right before I reached out to you too. Oh, we were yeah. messaging. I was like, that was so cool. Yeah, that same day, that same exact day that you messaged me, uh, <laughs> this girl was like, I feel like you need to like tell your story more. Like, and then I got that message from you. <laughs> I was like crazy. She was saying I need to write a book too and like write it and kind of write it out like a story. Uh, yeah write a book and stuff but she's like I feel like you're gonna like start saying telling your story more and so that was crazy then you wrote I got that message from you right after that wow that's, that's timing cool. is good mm-hmm. that is yeah. really cool yeah yeah so, that was awesome well if you write the book I'll read it all right See. cool <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. I've, I've started like ever since things have happened to us, like I would sit down and like start writing, but then it's like, it never, I can never finish what I start. You know, I'm really bad at that. It's like, I need to like finish <laughs> what I start. So we'll see. Um, as somebody who's writing a book right now, I can tell you that that's actually a good mentality to have is not being worried about the end. <laughs> and yeah. Just write. God will tell okay. you uh, from what, from what I've heard just now of your story, God will tell you when it's done. And if you just keep writing, that's all that matters is just keep writing. Just like you've been living your life, just keep going, you know? That's good. Well, thank you again. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you so much. All righty. <laughs> well, it was nice talking to you both. Yeah, you yeah. too. Thank you again for this. All, all right. Bye. Take bye, care. Kelly. Bye. Bye-bye.